the teams you care about. The Patriots are now closer to the bottom of the AFC than the top. That's a fact. The stories that matter to you. Trevor Story, man, he makes the Red Sox much, much better in 2022. This is your home for New England sports. I'm just wondering what happens next for UVA, because I think there could be a lot of turnover on that roster. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Thursday. I missed you all yesterday. We're back at it here on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Usually I take like diligent notes as to when there's going to be a Red Sox day game or an odd start time. I'm not going to lie to you. Yesterday, that snuck up on me. I had a show prepared for yesterday, and it wasn't until like 11.30 in the morning that I realized we weren't going to be on the air. So, full disclosure, I wasn't sure. I, I, like, I, I didn't realize. Like, Obviously, I know the Red Sox schedule, but it just didn't register with me that we weren't going to be on yesterday until like 11.30 or noon. I had, a, I had interviews done. I had a show prepared, so I missed you all. I'm happy that we're back at it. We're on today's short show, 40 minutes up until 6.10. Then we kick off the Red Sox and Mariners series from Fenway, four games. I will be at the game on Sunday. I truly hate this weekend. I, I really do. This weekend pits my head versus my heart. It pits my personal life against my real life. I hate it. And I, I, I promise you when I say this, I really, really do like the Red Sox, but I love the Mariners. The Mariners are the team I love the most in all of sports. The Mariners are my favorite players in my life are Mariners players. The the Mariners outside of my parents are the longest relationship I have in life. Like, so I'm sorry. I'm rooting for the Mariners. This will be one of only seven times all year I don't root for the Red Sox. Seven games all year. I won't, won't root for the Red Sox. They're all against the Mariners. Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm rooting for the Mariners to sweep the Red Sox, but I'll, I will root for everyone else in the AL East to lose for the next four days so the Red Sox don't lose any ground. That's where I'm at. Now, it's far more likely that the Mariners get swept than it is the Red Sox getting swept, but still, that's what I'm looking for. Mariners sweep the Red Sox. The entirety of the AL East loses for the next four days. Red Sox lose no ground, and the Mariners have a chance to get, you know, have a chance to. If the Mariners sweep, they'd be at 500, 21 and 21. That's what I'm rooting for. I really do hate this week. I, I, I do. Go into the game. If you're watching on Facebook Live, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I'm decked out in Mariners stuff. I love the Mariners. I like the Red Sox. I hate that this weekend does this to me. Luckily, it only happens seven games a year. Luckily, a couple of them are on the weekend, so I don't have to really come in and talk about it the next day. But I'm rooting for the Mariners, and I am excited to be there on Sunday. We'll talk a little bit about the Red Sox as they get ready for the Mariners with Buster Rolney. He'll be with us at about 545. You can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Mark in South Hero says, Go M's. Mark, I can't remember if you're a Mariners fan or just humoring me here and you know, or you're a Red Sox hater, but nonetheless, Go M's is right. Uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, my Twitter account. You can find us anywhere. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we 
go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Let's get some updates tonight on the Celtics heading into tonight, Game 2, 8.30 Eastern Conference Finals. One, we expect Marcus Smart to play. Two, Al Horford, in a stunning turn of events, is available. He's off the COVID list, so Al Horford plays tonight. Three, Derek White won't play tonight. We'll get to that in a bit. He's back in Boston for the birth of his first child. So we will talk about uh, about White here momentarily and get some of your input. But even without White, you have to feel really good tonight if you are a Celtics fan. You get Smart back in all likelihood. You get Horford back. You have to assume that Horford feels okay. Heck, he wasn't out long enough to actually really be sick and reeling from COVID. So, got to assume he just got extra rest, and that can only be a good thing for him at this point at 35 years old. I get guys back rested, healthy, not really rusty. I feel great tonight if I'm the Celtics. The line in Vegas, and I hate talking betting on the air for the most part, but the line was heat minus four this morning. It's now heat minus one and a half. So there's been real movement in Vegas over the Celtics getting their pieces back or presumed to be getting Marcus Smart back as well. Let's get to Smart. Assuming he plays, that's a huge boost for this team in a few different ways. One, he's the defensive player of the year. The Celtics can use that. 85% of the defensive player of the year is better than continually having Peyton Pritchard or Aaron Neesmith out there guarding high-leverage players. Pritchard played 30 minutes in Game 1, and the Heat were just picking on him. So the more time Smart is there and able to play, the less time Pritchard has to play defense on high-priority players for Miami. Two, Smart is very disciplined as a defender. The Celtics can really benefit from that discipline. Jimmy Butler shot 18 free throws in game one. He made 17. 17 free points Jimmy Butler got for the Heat at the line. The Celtics cannot afford to be giving up 17 freebies. They need to defend Butler. They need to defend Butler hard, but they need to defend Butler without fouling and having Marcus Smart there can make a difference on that front. Two, Marcus Smart can also really help offensively. I know it's been the thing always to rip Smart's offense and say he shoots too much and too many threes, etc. But Marcus Smart being there opens up a lot of things for the Celtics. The Celtics need him to be a playmaker. They need him to be a ball handler. They need Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be freed up. They need the responsibility of ball handling off of Tatum's plate. It's really hard to handle the ball, create for others, create for yourself, and play high-level defense. Smart is a guy who can free up Tatum to be able to do those other things easier and better. Him handling the ball will open up other opportunities. Like, 
it'd be great if Smart scored 15 points, but more importantly than that, he just needs to make life easier for Tatum and Brown, Tatum specifically. NBA legend Vince Carter said as much on ESPN this morning. For the Boston Celtics, they're going to have to find another ball handler, facilitator, get Jason Tatum on the move a little bit, first and foremost. You know Miami's keying in on Tatum, but they have to get him uh, on the move a little bit just to free him up to get an open look because their defense in the third quarter was fantastic. It's less about smart scoring, less about his capability. It's more about giving Tatum and Brown freedom to move without the ball. We always say, one of the keys for great offensive players is how they move without the ball. You can't do that if you're always holding on to the ball. Smart being there, even if not 100%, that would be huge if Marcus Smart goes tonight. We expect him to. Al Horford, without question, him playing is huge. Another score, another guy who can defend in the post, another guy who can rebound, another guy who can hit a jump shot outside. I don't know if Al Horford goes for 10 points or 22 points tonight or anywhere in between, but he is a guy who can make a difference here. And when you're in the Eastern Conference Finals, you need difference makers. Al Horford can be that. They missed him in Game 1. I want to get to the Derek White stuff right now. 802-585-3026. Derek White is missing the game tonight because he's flown back to Boston to be with his wife for the birth of their first child. I have absolutely zero problem with Derek White skipping tonight's game. I don't care that it's the playoffs. I don't care it's the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't care that they're down one nothing in the series. I don't. Derek White has every right to go be with his wife and his child. And if you think otherwise then I just simply think that you are wrong. Now, the crew that cared about this a lot at, at 11 o'clock this morning may not care as much now because Smart should be back and Horford will be back. So maybe people aren't as angry as they were earlier in the day. But I saw, I, I saw comments on articles calling Derek White selfish for this decision. I saw people saying that he should have been loyal to the team. It's great sports talk radio to debate whether or not Derek White should be there or not. But simply, it doesn't really matter what any of us think. All that real you can call him selfish all you want, but all that really matters is how Derek White feels. And I think how his teammates feel probably plays a role in how he feels, and his teammates and coaches are understanding. The argument really ends there. Derek White wants to be home. I imagine his wife wants him to be home. His teammates and coaches are okay with him being home. That's the end of discussion. That's it. Doesn't matter how John from South Burlington or Joe from Southie or Bill from Portland, Maine feels about the Celtics being shorthanded. Doesn't matter. Derek White has the right to be home has the right to see his child be born. Ime Udoka said, we support our guys in these situations. Robert Williams said this to NBC Sports Boston just hours ago. Embrace it. Enjoy it. We here. We got your back, man. Be with your family, obviously. Um, it's something that'll change your life forever. You know, um, there's nothing more important, you know, than that, in my opinion. And um, just thankful uh, 
thankful he's able to do that, you know, go spend it with his family. You know, um, like I said, we got his back. He says, we've got your back. It's the best thing in the world being a father. It will change his life forever. That right there is all you needed to know. Derek White wants to go. His teammates are okay with him going there. Doesn't matter if you're not. You should be, but it doesn't matter if you're not. The only people that matter are Derek White, his wife, and the Celtics coaching staff and players. Everybody's signed off on this. Therefore, I have absolutely zero problem with it. Do you? I want the Celtics to win this too. I wish the Celtics weren't shorthanded. That said, don't care that Derek White is not being there. I saw the crew at WEEI say they were fine with it. I saw articles at WEEI say they were fine with it. Everybody that seems rational to me has been good with this decision. Irrational fans I've seen have not been. Where do you stand? 802-585-3026. Like, this is the actual birth of the child. That makes it okay to me. If you told me he wanted to take three days to be there for after the child was born, presuming the child is healthy, that might be a different story. But on the night of the birth, I have zero problem with Derek White not being there. So, yes, independent of what of what you, the fan, may want, no problem. I'm going to ask Buster Olney about this here in a little while. See, you know, he's got a lot of experience with things like this in sports and see what he says. So, and by the way, lastly, here's the reality. Any fan who is mad at Derek White and thinks he should be loyal to the team, I laugh at that because the team often isn't loyal to the player. Isaiah Thomas played for the Celtics in the face of unimaginable tragedy when he lost his sister. He played in a game He played in the playoffs with a hip injury that was pretty bad, and he made it exponentially worse. The team traded him, and his career has been effectively over ever since. Isaiah Thomas is loyal to the team. He plays in the face of personal injury and personal tragedy, and how does the team thank him? The team trades him away. So if you think that the the player needs to be loyal to the team, You need to recognize that the team is hardly ever loyal to the player. I have no problem with Derek White not being there. I'd like to think I'd be the same if it were Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Maybe some people are okay with it because they don't think White is that big a deal in missing him, but I'd like to think I'd be okay with it no matter what. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We're going to take a very quick break, 60 seconds. That's it. Buster Olney is going to be with us shortly here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We'll hear from Buster Olney here momentarily. Red Sox taking on the Mariners tonight. Our coverage begins at 6-10. Lineups come up a couple of minutes beforehand. First pitch is 7-10. The Red Sox are going to be in a really interesting spot this year, and I don't envy them for it. So you know this, right? Through the collective bargaining agreement, Major League Baseball has added another wildcard team. There are now six teams in the playoffs 
per league. Okay, we we know this. This happened through the whole uh, you know CBA conversation and the lockout, etc. Having more teams in the playoffs, having that extra wild card team, is supposed to keep teams interested, engaged, because more teams are going to have a shot at the playoffs. And that's true, by the way. That is true. More teams will be in it. More fan bases will be engaged. That's going to ultimately be good. But it's also going to be really interesting to see how teams navigate a season where they're okay and not necessarily championship caliber. And the Red Sox are one of those teams. The Red Sox are not going to win the division. They're not. They're not going to win the AL East. They're also not likely to ever ascend to the top wild card position where you would feel like, okay, they're one of the top four teams in the league. They're going to hover around that third and final wild card spot. I'm pretty convinced of that. They'll be in the conversation. Seattle tonight might be there. The White Sox might be there, or at least the AL Central you know, runner-up will probably be there. They will be hovering around the third wild card spot. So what do they do? What do you do if you're in that situation? You're not guaranteed to make the playoffs. You're not guaranteed to be out of it. You're probably never going to be way, way out of the playoff race. This is the dilemma that's going to face ownership and High and Bloom, and the decision that High and Bloom and ownership are going to have to make is an interesting one. What do you do? I could certainly make the case that the Red Sox should stay the course, Keep everybody, try to get hot, sneak into the playoffs where anything could happen. I can make that case. You go for it, you try to get in the playoffs, and you just see what happens. It's no longer a one-game playoff in the playoffs. It's a short three-game series at the beginning. So you have a chance. I could also make the case for saying, hey, we're not going anywhere this year. Third wild card, that's not really what we're playing for, so we're out. Michael Waka, Rich Hill, Kike Hernandez, we'll trade them all. Could make a case for trading J.D. Martinez, trading Xander Bogarts. You could make that case also. I I don't know. Previous years, if the Red Sox were playing like this, they're a natural sell-off. Now, it's not as much of a given. And as I said on Tuesday, I'm very interested in what happens with J.D. Martinez. We, Of course, we're all interested in Bogarts, but if you... Dig a little bit deeper. I'm very interested in J.D. Martinez. I, I don't know what to make of his future now because if you're out of it and you think you're truly out of it on July 1st, I'd absolutely trade J.D. Martinez. But I'd also look absolutely at bringing him back in the offseason. It's not going to be cheap. He's going to have other suitors because the NL now has the designated hitter. But this is a guy who isn't done. Last year, I thought he was trending towards done. I could make the case for holding on to him and trying to re-sign him. I could try to trade him if I'm out of it and then re-sign him. This is a guy who I'm not convinced that I don't want on my team. I can't give him at about to be 35. Can't give him a four or five-year deal. But I can give him two. I can give him two plus an option. So it's going to be very interesting what position the Red Sox, you know, or, or what the Red Sox do with the position they are in, because it's not going to be easy. They are always going to be at least around the playoff conversation. Is that enough to allow you to hold your pieces? Is it enough to cause you to go and acquire more pieces? Or do you start selling off assets and say, hey, yeah, we're in it, but we're not really in it. 
We'll continue to monitor that, obviously, all season long. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. That leads me into our Buster Olney interview. I spoke with Buster earlier this afternoon. The full interview was 13 minutes long. It's available already on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I play for you six minutes of that Buster Olney interview, and I started with just that thought. Buster, how do, how do a team like the Red Sox navigate a season in which they're not really in it and they're not really out of it? Yeah, and I think that you know fans would say, look, if we have a chance to be in a postseason series, then you go for it, right? You can't give up. I will tell you that privately, most teams that you speak with, most front office executives feel like, we're not going to go crazy augmenting a team that's going for, you know, potentially one series. Um, you know, occasionally you have teams that will be aggressive in those circumstances. You, you know, the best example in recent years when the Cubs uh, in 2016 were trying to win their first World Series in 108 years, they spent big to get uh, a Roldis Chapman. But I think for the most part in these analytically driven front offices, they don't think the math makes sense to pay big to, to try to augment, uh, you know, a wild card pursuit. I kind of wonder, uh, and again, this is all speculation at this point, I do kind of wonder if the Red Sox would be one of those teams that's going to thread the needle, you know, if in fact, uh, you know, it looks like that, uh, you know, uh, that they don't, they're not going to sign Xander Bogarts. You could, in theory, swap Xander Bogarts, get the value out of him, and then maybe add some lesser, uh, you know, pieces that don't cost as much coming back. And that way you can say to your fans, I don't know if they'll believe it, look, we're trying to win, uh, but we just know Xander's going to hit free agency and we want to get equal value, and, and so we'll flip the guys. Um, they've got a number of players. You mentioned J.D. Martinez, some members of the rotation, Christian Vasquez, who might actually have value in the trade market. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see as we get closer what choices they make. Bogarts' agent – actually, Bo, let's back up. This weekend, Bogarts said – he kind of left the door open to being willing to negotiate in season. And then his agent quickly shut that down the next day. Scott Boris said, now nah, we're going to wait till after the season. How do you think that dynamic really works? Because I got to think, if Bogarts really wants to hear what the Red Sox have to say, can't he override what Boris is saying? He can, and some of the Boris clients have through the years. Uh, you remember Jared Weaver, yeah. you know, the Angels. He got a big offer from the Angels, or what he felt like was. And, uh, you know, Scott, I don't think, would have wanted him to sign before he hit free agency, but he did. Andrew Jones, the same thing happened. Xander Bogarts, you know, when he made his deal a few years back and he wanted to stay with the Red Sox, uh, I think he was the guy, he was the driving force behind that. I, you know, I suspect, you know, and it's funny because we have the same dynamic happens here in New York with Aaron Judge. Look, if, if some knucklehead reporter like me comes up to a player and says, are you open to talking if they say no then they're the bad guy and so it's better for the player to say oh yeah i'll always listen and then you know their agent comes out and and, uh and does their job and they get to be the bad guy and i think that's what happened with the the other day in skateboard you know buster let's also talk about some of the other big free agent infield contracts that have been handed out in the last couple of years okay anthony rendon hasn't been great Trevor Story hasn't been great yet. Marcus Semyon's been awful, and we know what happened yeah. to Robinson Cano. Do do those cautionary tales? Do they scare off the Red Sox more, or do they scare off Bogarts more? To where he's like, I've seen what's happened to all these other guys who have left. 
maybe I want to stay. Well, I, I and we'll never know the answer because they never got really that close uh, to a deal. I do wonder if the Red Sox had stepped out and offered him, you know, a two-year, fifty million dollar extension and put him in the same range as, as Javier Baez, or maybe they put him at the two hundred million dollar level, you know, more in the Marcus Simeon type territory. Would he have been open? But that's what you know. You and I are both surprised at the Red Sox offer because it felt insulting. Yeah, it wasn't even close to. Some of the other standards, the Javier Baez, the Trevor Story. I don't know how, if you're a you know member of Red Sox ownership, you can walk into a clubhouse with a straight face and say, "Yeah, we tried to sign Xander Bogart." When a guy across the room, Trevor Story, who doesn't have nearly his history, and I I say this bluntly, he's not as good of a player as Xander Bogart, got fifty million dollars more. That's part of the reason why that was confusing. Buster, let me get you out of here on this. I'm going to throw a curveball at you and draw on your experience covering baseball. So the Celtics tonight are in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're trailing Miami one game to nothing. Derek White, who is a player on the Celtics who started the last game but is generally a role player, he is not going to play tonight because he's going back to Boston to be with his wife for the first for the birth of their first child. Wow. And of course, it's great sports radio fodder for what he should do and if he's letting the team down, etc. In your experience covering sports, how do teammates you know feel about things like this? I got to think that they're largely okay and they get it. Is that your experience? Yes, but I would say that that expectation has evolved. Uh, when I first started covering baseball, the feeling was that you needed to be there for your teammates. Even in regular season games, uh, you know, when there wasn't necessarily anything on the line like the playoffs, for example, and I believe this to be the case, Cal Ripken you know, played in every game for like 15 years, uh, the Ironman. I think both his kids were born uh, on off days. Oh. It was scheduled delivery. Because the feeling was, you know what, you need to be there. But over time, I think that's changed, and, and I applaud that. Because when you get right down to it, this is your child. And, uh, you know, my daughter just graduated from college last Sunday. I can't imagine, uh, you know, covering Sunday Night Baseball last weekend or when the day she was born in, in 1999, being at a ball game and thinking that's the right place to be. It's the best thing to do for any parent to be there, any father to be there for when their kids are born. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider, with us every, th- every single Thursday at this time. Buster, we appreciate it as always, and we will talk to you in seven days. There he goes, Buster Olney. That was, our again, part of our conversation from this afternoon. The full interview is already available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel, but we had a shorter show today, so we wanted to uh, talk more about the Celtics as well. So, Buster, uh, the full interview online, that part you heard there. Great stuff, though. I mean, the stuff about Xander Bogarts is real. I mean, think, just think about this. Bogarts said this past weekend he'd be opening to open to listening to the Red Sox when it came to a contract extension. or He'd be open to listening to what they have to say in season. Then his agent, Scott Boris, says, no, we're going to wait until the offseason. That is just Boris trying to retain leverage. That That's all that is. If Xander Bogarts wants to listen to the Red Sox, then he can put Scott Boris in his place. I don't know that he'll ultimately do that. I don't know that he isn't so offended at the Red Sox by their offer that he may just say, you know what, screw him. But if he says, I'm willing to listen, then he can tell Boris, make sure you're listening. By the way, 
There was also great stuff on the Buster interview part you didn't hear about the idea of Aaron Judge maybe playing for the Red Sox next year. I encourage you to go to the podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. Just search for the Brady Farkas Show. Full interview there. Aaron Judge to the Red Sox next year? Question mark? It's possible, according to Buster. We will come back, finish it up, talk Celtics, give it the Red Sox lineup. That's next on DEV. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on WDEV. Red Sox baseball five minutes from now. of the lineups for you. Sox and Mariners first of four from Fenway Park. I want to quickly get into one thing here on the Celtics, or rather on the Celtics opponent, on Jimmy Butler. I keep hearing about how great Jimmy Butler is, and I keep hearing about, and I just keep hearing a ton of praise for Jimmy Butler and how he may be the, you know, an undervalued superstar and how he may be the best player remaining in the playoffs or, you know, he may be better than Tatum and all that. And I just want to say this. I love Jimmy Butler also. He's a throwback player. But his attitude only works as long as a team is good, right? His play style only works as long as a team is good. I like Jimmy Butler's game. I like the throwback nature. I like the intensity. But that intensity only works on good teams. You can get away with that when your team is good, being aggressive and demanding, etc. But when a team is bad, I think that Jimmy Butler's personality grates on guys. Remember this. Jimmy Butler's been traded three times in his career. So Jimmy Butler on a winning team is a great leader. Jimmy Butler on a bad team is a malcontent who grates on guys. He got traded from Chicago to Minnesota. He got traded from Minnesota to Philly. And he got traded from Philly to Miami. He has been traded three times. So being, you know... Being so intense and being so demanding and being so aggressive that when you're winning, that's awesome. You are the blueprint when you are winning. But when you are losing, you are just frustrated and you are frustrating to be around. So I'm not taking away anything from Butler. And look, he's been in Miami for a handful of years. He got to the finals in the bubble. He's in the Eastern Conference Finals now. So he he is winning in Miami. He has won he has been to the playoffs every place that he has been, I believe. I believe he even got there that one year in Minnesota, maybe as the eighth seed, and I think they might have played Golden State. He's won. He's been a winner everywhere he's been. But when the relationship goes south for Jimmy Butler, it goes south. So just, you know, when you hear the Jimmy Butler praise, and you will continue to hear it all throughout the game tonight, it will be effusive. Just have that in your back pocket. I got the Celtics winning this game. I got him winning by about six. I don't think they're going to blow him out. I think it's going to be close. Horford back. Smart should be back. I think the Celtics win this game by about six. Red Sox baseball, 90 seconds from now. Sox take it on the Mariners. This is a four-game set at Fenway. This is a big one because both these teams are underachieving. The Mariners are 17 and 21. The Red Sox are 15 and 22. 
the Mariners are a team the Red Sox could directly be battling with for that third wild card spot come the end of September. You're going to want to have the tiebreaker over them. I think it's imperative the Red Sox at least split this series, and I think it's quite possible the Red Sox could take three of four in this series. I think the pitching matchups work in their favor. The Mariners have a lot of youth, and they have some very hittable guys going in the, well, they got one very hittable guy in Chris Flexen. But a lot of youth on the mound for the Mariners the Red Sox might be able to exploit. Pitching matchup, George Kirby, the young prospect, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. He's 0-0 with an 0-9-0 ERA. He's opposed by Rich Hill. Adam Frazier leads off in left for Seattle. Ty France at first. Julio Rodriguez, one of the other top prospects in baseball. He's in center. Jesse Winkers, the DH. A. Eugenio Suarez is at third. Luis Torrens, the catcher. Abraham Toro at second. Dylan Moore at short. Steven Souza in right. For the Sox, Kike Hernandez in center. Rafi Devers at third. Martinez, the DH. Xander Bogarts at short. Alex Verdugo in left. Trevor Story at second. Bobby Dahlbeck's at first. Christian Vasquez is the catcher. And Jackie Bradley Jr., he bats ninth and plays right field. The Sox go for a win. I've already told you, I'm rooting for the Mariners to sweep. Go M's. This will be the only time I say it all year. Go M's. We'll see you tomorrow. Go find the podcast.